Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Welcome, welcome. This is um, Corey Gilbert, and we are here interviewing and having a conversation with Tanya Joya. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, Corey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your work and your passion, your heart. As Absolutely. We kind of jump in today. Absolutely. I work with women mm-hmm. who are supporting loved ones around addictive behaviors. So we're empowering them to take their lives back so that they can take their family lives back from addiction. And it is super rewarding. I think, I think I maybe told you that the, the saying, and this is not mine. I wish it were, (laughs) you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for the day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, teach Mm -hmm. a woman to fish and she teaches the community. So coming in at that root and saying, you don't have to give up on your husband, your son, your daughter, your sister, your whoever. There are a lot of things that you can do to make changes because this is the forgotten group of people. And so I work with those women on sometimes refinding themselves, filling their cup, and empowering them to do uh, things like set boundaries, figure out clarity on where they want to be and be intentional about their family. Cause as you well know, families don't get sick on purpose, right? But they have to get well intentionally. They have to make the effort to do that. Mm -hmm. So then what are some of the challenges you've seen over the years working with women who are trying to support that loved one? There is everything from I've given, you know, the kind of the classic Hollywood, I've given him the best years of my life and he doesn't return anything to me or man, I really took care of that child. And what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, where did I go wrong? A lot of self-blame and shame. Yeah. And yeah. when we lay the, as you well know, when we lay that cover over ourselves, it's really hard to see the realities that other people made choices and that you have choices you can make too. Mm-hmm. And then, so what got you into doing this kind of work with women? Well, I have my own story <laughs> and um, the the short factor of that is I divorced because I thought, oh, there's something better out there. I married a man that I'll have been married to for 20 years um, at the end of this month. Nice. Um, but we had some really trying times in the middle. And what I didn't realize was I knew very little about addiction, but I didn't realize how sick I was that I chose somebody who was in active addiction. I was taking my broken pieces and his broken pieces and we were trying to make a hole. And you of course know how well that works. 
And then the next phase of that, I thought after we saw that we're good, everything's going to be okay. Kids are going to be okay. And we took our kids on this journey. But the next phase of that was when my son hit about 13 and became six foot tall, sounded like a man, looked like a man. All those things re-triggered. I was not as healed as I thought I was. So mm. that sent me crawling, crawling, literally back to EMDR, doing that really deep work. And I am really proud to say that that boy graduated from high school, <laughs> all-star football player, um, just a wonderful human being, not because I forced him to be a wonderful human being, which was kind of where I was, which was truly where I was heading. But because I grew up and I wasn't playing teenager at the same time that he was supposed to be emotionally and physically a teenager. That's huge. The the role you played in the way you just said that of you being a teenager, but not really an actual teenager is the acting of the acting out. And then that maturity who, who I guess spoke into your life during that season or what kind of person or people spoke into your life? Wow. We had some really great people speaking into our lives. So I really must commend our church, Kremlin Community Church at the time in Kremlin, Colorado, of when, when my husband and I were going through our crisis and 23 months separation and what I call courts, yeah. cops and chickens. Um, yeah. We they hugged us, loved on us, said, we still believe you are really good people, even though your lives are falling apart. And we want to be there for you. So they made a lot of things possible, especially in, in if if you've got listeners who live in small towns, this could have been a real crisis because everybody knew our business. And a lot of people could a, a lot of people did say, you know, when you get this figured out, we'll we'll talk to you again. Um, but our church loved on us. Mm -hmm. uh, our pastor really loved on us. And then. We also, this is a piece of work that's not out there anymore. We also worked with some Christian counselors who did John Van, John, Jeff Van Vonderen's uh, Wounded by Shame, Healed by Grace work, which is a Christian piece of work. And if you can find it out there, I would highly recommend it. Okay. It really talks about shame-based families and how we act out of shame, not realizing it, and that Jesus has come and given us this beautiful gift. And instead of laying surrendering our burdens there, we push it away and say, no, I'm, I'm not good enough for that. Mm -hmm. So his work was really pivotal. Those were Christian counselors based in our town. And then the other thing that happened that was fantastic was there were strong old time couples in our AA group and we invited them over for dinner. I mean, we did, we sought them out. They didn't suddenly show up at our door, but we sought them out, invited them over to, for dinner. And we said, okay, we don't get it. And we know we don't get it. So tell us what, what's happening with you. How did you work through this? You've got what we want. How did you do that? So it, it, we searched and then the other piece that happened was a, a commitment that said, we can work this out, even though for the first 12 months, we really couldn't be in the same room. Oof. Oh, that's, that's scary actually to see how, actually how fragile our relationships can be, our marriages, our families. Fragile is yeah. not. 
it is. It's like that egg on the spoon. You've ever played that yep. game where you're trying to pass that across and yeah. they, they really are that fragile and we take them so much for granted mm -hmm. and say, if you would just get your life together, then my life will be okay. Yeah. And it's not true. Yeah. And that's where we have to, and this is the hardest part in counseling and coaching families is you, you're responsible for your part, only your part. I can't make the other person heal, want to be healed. But then where do you draw that boundary? Where do you, where do you say enough's enough? Or where do you say, Hey, I expect more. This gets messy, messy, messy. And I, what I see is a lot of people settle for just almost a mediocre relationship. That's, we might even stay together, but we're just barely functioning. And that's heartbreaking too, because that's not honoring to God. It's not, good for any either of the, the two parties so i hear the church i hear the pastor i hear christian counselors um, a good a good program you mentioned like a good yes. um teaching on shame um that that's tremendous i believe anything any other and actually you also mentioned then like an older older couples um, older couples and that's one thing that if if people are listening to this encourage your church to set up mentor couples. We don't have to do this no. by ourselves. And there no. are programs out there that can teach your church how to do it. Um, the thing that we became as we started moving after this happened, I think it was in, within a year. It's been a while since I've thought about it is our church and three other churches started a celebrate recovery group. And we were selected as some of the delegates to go out to Saddleback Church and look at what that really looked like and bring that back home. So not only were we loved on, yeah. we were actually respected as human beings mm -hmm. and respected that we had gifts and talents. We weren't just said, oh, you guys can't figure your lives out and we don't need you. So that... <laughs> that shift. And like you said, you know, what do you do? And and I can, I can label out that I've done everything. I have yelled, screamed, begged, cried, withheld, um, shifted account money, shotguns off in the backyard, called the friends, called the neighbors, called everybody about that. And that doesn't tell you anything except for that. I was parenting my husband instead mm -hmm. of partnering him and yeah. as you well know dr Corey, that yeah. is going to get me absolutely nowhere because what i had come to learn is men's love language is a lot about respect mm -hmm. and i had no respect when i was you know a lot of people would say well you're fighting for your life and you're fighting for your family y yes but i'm fighting in such a way that even God can't see me. It's an imposter mm -hmm. style mm -hmm. syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's control. I'm it's trying to control. grasp for control. Yeah. I was handling it instead of saying, God, I, I, I need to surrender because I can't do this. Well, how do you respect your husband when he is not being respectable? That's a hard one. But that's the 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 total scripture passage of show respect by your actions, even when. Yep. And it doesn't just have to be a husband. It can be child or family member yep. or parent or whoever. Even when they're doing that, you can always be respectful. You might not always be respected. And I'm sure you would agree that you need to draw boundaries for your safety, your sanity, right. all of those things. Right. But I can still be respectful. And I wasn't. 
I mean, who wants to meet their wife at the door at midnight when she's double hipping? I'm going, and I had some choice words yep. <laughs> about yep. where have you been and what have you been doing and who have you been doing it with? I've called all your friends, you know, yep. that that's just infant. It's emasculating and it's infantilizing him. Did I get that yep. word? right? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a good word. <laughs> and, and, what I learned was, and it hit home. I didn't learn it well enough with my husband because you always think I didn't have responsibility for raising my husband, right? <laughs> well, just kidding. Yeah, you know the blame can keep rolling downhill. Yeah. I can take no response. I'm like, you know, yeah. this is this is his family, his mom, his grandma, his whatever, right? Yeah. But when that child that you have loved and nurtured and prayed for and cared and all of that is just a person that is like nails on a chalkboard to you where you are just losing your mind looking at them. Yeah. You're like, wait, I had a lot to do with this. Yeah. I need to figure out where the issues are. And I think I shared this with you when we talked earlier. My son was really struggling and we had him in counseling. Mm -hmm. And the counselor came to me and she said, Tanya, your house is not safe for him to do the deep work in. Oof. And I went, it's kind of like the sword in Mary's heart. I'm like, wow. Not that Mary did anything wrong, but that piercing went so deep to the marrow that I went, okay, pick, pick me because hey, so you I'm listened. the next one in line. So you listened. Eventually. Yes. <laughs> I I oh. heard it right away because the you know how in a family there's often somebody who feels the pain of the family. Yeah. I'm not always that person but I was at that moment that person and I knew the pain was deep enough that somebody had to step up and say I'll take the medicine. I I will be willing to have you ever had an infection where you have to keep peeling off the bandages and knocking off the scabs and oozing nope. out the infection? <laughs> yeah. There's a picture for you. So we used to run horses and 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 dogs and chickens and all that stuff. That the infection was that mm -hmm. stinky, smelly, awful, you know, yeah. like Lazarus must have smelled when he yeah. came to the tomb three days later. <laughs> No. So I was, I was tired of stinking really yeah. more than anything. Mm -hmm. But it's neat that you listened at that point when they said that, because to, I even think of that word, your, your, your home is not safe. I mean, most of us would react in very quite violent ways. Of, yeah. What do you mean? It's not safe. How dare you yeah. say that? How dare you judge me? But actually if we're coming with a, spirit of uh desiring to cut to bring about unity and grow and that's actually the loving thing to do is say hey we need to do some work here beyond and that's where it gets into systems theory the yeah. idea that when you change one thing the whole has to change you take a child and take them out and they do counseling but if they go back to the same system they go back to the old self as in we need to work with the whole system, which is really, really important. Absolutely. And that's what I would say about my work. And mm -hmm. for any parent out there listening, 
it was the Holy Spirit speaking for one thing. And this was not only a highly recommended trained therapist, I trusted her. I mean, we had had some family sessions, so I trust her. She didn't come up and say this to me overnight. She, she spoke into our lives little by little and then loved on us again. She loved on us, but also the Holy spirit said, you can't continue like this. And, and that's some of the work that I do with the families around addiction is exactly what you said is I changed Mm-hmm. And my son changed. I mean, we were at the point, I, I like to say our house was physically safe, but we were on the edge of right. it not being physically safe. And, and you know, as, as your kind of standard middle-class soccer mom, husband working, me working part-time, two kids, you know, mm-hmm. participating in the PTA, I looked like everything was fine, but drywall was being knocked out of the walls, you know, and children were out of control, but who was really out of control? Ouch. When I am calling this precious child that I dearly wanted Mm -hmm. and love and think the world of when I'm using character assassination and ugly names, who's out of control. I'm the one who is the adult. And, <laughs> and I was 45 by this time. So this is, this is not 20 year old without any skills. Yep. I have a lot of skills in education, totally out of control. Yeah. So then what led to the chaos in your marriage to then where you are today? we've talked about some of the key people that kind of influenced you or some of the key things you did to find a new us, a new self, a new family, new marriage, same people, but new, new us. So here, here's something that as I look back on it, 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 it's hard to look at, but realizing this was God at work too. So when we had our final breakdown and, and we're separated by a court order. We also had a full restraining order and complete silence other than texting about the children for over three months. That was necessary. Mm -hmm. That was really necessary. (laughs) Even my mother calls me a talker. So I believe (laughs) that we could just call, talk it out, right? We'll just talk it out, talk it out, talk it out, talk it out. Well, who am I not listening to when I'm talking all the time? And I have a tendency to ready, fire, aim. In fact, I called the therapist that we had worked with years prior, said, can you work with us? Can you work with us? He's like, Tanya, with what's going on in your life, you guys need to do your separate stuff. I am screaming at this man that he is killing our marriage, that it's going to be crushed, that this is not going to happen. So that quiet time and the living apart was a necessary piece designed by God for this to happen. I truly believe that. So if you are going through separation right now, don't give up hope. Um, We went 23 months. We did after 12 months, we were able to counsel together and we did do that. But so we both did our separate work. That's the first piece because I can't heal him and he can't heal me. Mm -hmm. Then we did work together and then we didn't stop. 
Yeah. That's about shortly after that is when we helped build the Celebrate Recovery, which <laughs> which not only gave us tool, but it gave us something to do with our hands together. Yeah. Right. Love, love that. The timing of that's neat. Amazing. It is. We were doing that together. And then the the next phase was was also to say, you know what? This is where Jerry Maguire and I part ways. <laughs> Um, if you've seen that movie, it's the whole, you had me at hello and you complete me. No, that's where we had to come up with, you don't complete me. We are better together. We are designed as two holes that make something holy together as a new entity, but you don't complete me. So I need to maintain my health and my self-care. You need to maintain your health and your self-care. So we both maintain Ellen on AA affiliations and then the Celebrate Recovery affiliations. And then as we had a move in there too, which oddly enough moves can bring you together, even though it is stressful. And then when um, this happened with my first child, then I went into the deep EMGR and along the way I sprinkled in, um, women's retreats and different 10 day silent retreats, kept reading books, kept looking at things. This is, and I think you would agree with this, Dr. Corey, this is a lifetime of growth. This isn't a one and done. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to make sure people really understand that, especially when working with someone like you or I, it's, we're a guide and we kind of help hold your hand for a few minutes or for a few weeks or a few months even, but then we let go because sometimes because our journey's over with you because someone else needs to pick it up from there. Other times it's, we've given you what we, uh, what you need for the season. And so someone else picks it up. But the truth is, is there's always someone else, not necessarily a paid person, but that's where the groups are incredible. The groups at church, um, your own small group, where you're not necessarily sharing your own muck, but a small group at church where you're just learning about, you know, a chapter of the Bible or something, but you're, you've got your people. Um, those, those pieces are critical. What are some things you do then if thinking of like that word self-care, what do you do to take care of yourself? I really appreciate that. So I've been learning about self-care and self-compassion Okay. And they're, they're different. One is an activity and one is the way you actually feel about yourself oh. and that kindness towards self. So I, I would say the past six, seven years, I've really been working on the mean girl in my head no. <laughs> and talking back to her and, and uh-huh. telling her, Hey, Hey, I can take care of you. It's all right. We don't have to blow up like this, yep. you know, and you don't have to panic because normally she's mean because she's trying to take care of me in some capacity right. in the way that she knows how to do that. Yep. So that self-talk I've really been working on. Um, I have a spiritual director that I meet with about monthly, Uh, to talk about the things that are going on in my life. A key component for me for probably the last, I've been doing it for over 20 years, but consistently for the last six, seven years, especially when I picked up BMDR was um, returning to centering prayer and centering prayer Mm -hmm. is uh, a meditation movement that is Christ centered. So we don't have to hop off into Buddhism or Hinduism um, to do that. Meditation was part of St. Augustine, you know, part of the monk life. It was part of it. It's not. It got hijacked. So it got hijacked. (laughs) Right. 
you know, and, and, he, and Judaism has its own, you know, where we, the base we came from, Judaism has its own. What do we see Christ doing? Christ goes off and he spends time with the father alone. So I do that every morning and I can tell you when I miss it, I yeah. can tell you that things aren't going well. I was on a 10 day silent retreat and a woman there, um, man, just a lot of trouble in her life between twin sons and, and some disabilities in there and her husband losing his job and all kinds of other things. And she said, you know, I had been practicing for twice a day for this many years. And then things got so busy. I just couldn't, I think there was other illness in the family too. Mm -hmm. She said that carried me through for five years until I could practice again. So it, it's like this storehouse of mental quiet. So I do nice. that. That is crucial to me. Bible reading, some type of scripture is crucial to me. My church community, mm -hmm. and I am an active person in Celebrate Recovery. I've got Good. the coins around here somewhere. I've got, I've got 20 years in and a lot of people quit going. And what I found was there are seasons where you may need to drop because of things that are going on in your life, right. but this is a group that you can always return to. Mm -hmm. And then another key piece that I'm coming to find is rest and recovery. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, we've gotten this mythology that we can drive, 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 and we're supposed to always have something to do. So this rest and recovery has come in the form, thanks to my husband and some other people, of camping. I have fallen in love with camping and um, I try and go someplace where there is no cell signal, where yep. there's nothing, yep. you know, where I can be outside and yep. talk about an amazing artist. God mm -hmm. is amazing. Yep. That's wonderful. I love that. I know I have uh, mixed feelings about self-care because of where I feel like it's gone off the deep end in this day and age where it's very self-centered, very, um, well, all about me and not about others. And so, to, and to me, as a Christian, as a believer, I'm here to serve others, but there is a balance between the two. So mm -hmm. anything can be taken too far. Um, I remember at one point, our pastor even saying, some of you need to stop going to your 16 Bible studies and actually put, you know, put this into practice and do something. And I'm like, that's yes. so true too. Yes. Is it's, it's good things, but sometimes um, the good can be um, not the best, if you will, you're settling. So I love that you're still involved in slight recovery, that you're actually active. Um, those are things you, you mentioned before horses too. So do you still do that or not? So we traded our horses. I have mixed feelings about this. We traded <laughs> our horses for dirt bikes. Oh, no, and... that's good. That's a good, that's a, I like that one. <laughs> so, so that's where the 40 foot toy hauler and four <laughs> dirt bikes came in. But this was my, my husband. And for people who are listening to this on podcast, I'm doing the DS, you know, thing with my thumbs. My husband said, Tanya, <laughs> the best opportunity we have to keep our sons connected to us and off their phones, at least for a period of time. Mm -hmm is to get out there camping, get out there dirt biking, yeah. get out there and doing that. And that's actually for my son's senior trip. That's what we did. Went down to Lake Powell, went to some other places in Utah. Now I ride and I really like it. Nice. But I did say something blasphemous to my men. At one point I looked at them and I said, I just don't need to go everywhere I can as absolutely fast as I can. <laughs> and all three heads 
swiveled around <laughs> like I had, you know, I grown horns and, you know, was just this crazy person. So we do sometimes do separate things on the bikes because I'm kind of a tourer. Yeah. I like to yep. go see the wild horses and see the trees and the plants and we ride in the desert and I stop and I walk around. Yep. They're all about the hills. <laughs> and fast. Hills and fast. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that. I know I I grew up camping. I grew up in South America and grew up camping in the Andes Mountains with my parents and mm-hmm. um, incredible memories there. But it was once a year. And mm-hmm. so it's neat to see. I ended up 12 years ago starting with Boy Scouts with my sons. So now we're in the 12th year. My oldest just finished his Eagle Project. Wow. The We get to go camping almost every month year round. So like my favorite yeah. camping is in the mountains, December, January, February, the cold, rainy, we're in Oregon. I love it. I look because it's something about being outside, not on devices, mm-hmm. with people around a campfire, mm-hmm. people you like, people you, you want to get to know more, uh, you know, about their lives. And so the dads and the, these boys, it, it's incredible. And that's not for everyone. I know that's. That's why I would not have guessed about the dirt bikes for you guys. That's that's awesome. Uh, are the kids all gone? No. So okay. um, the 18 year old is is taking a gap year and okay. he's going to work and kind of sort out what he wants to do next. And then I've got a 16 year old. Nice. Both of them have been three sports, dirt bikes in the summer, skiing in the winter. If we can get them outside, we're putting <laughs> them outside now. I must tell you for all those people, they do have phones. They do watch YouTube. They do those (laughs) traditional at their age things. We wish they didn't. But as a parent, you know this, you do as much as you can. (laughs) And then you have to let them live their story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have a 16 year old at home. What do you think is going to change when both of them are gone for you two? That we're we're looking at. So we have not been we have not worked location bound for probably the last four or five years. Nice. So there has been no reason for us to be in the small town that we're in, except for we're an hour and a half from the desert and, and 45 minutes from the ski mountain. Nice. Ideal, actually. And I I don't know. I um it's exciting, I think. It is. I think it's very exciting. I I really like to travel. Husband, not so much. And <laughs> yeah, um, the differences. I, yes. <laughs> yes. Sense of humor. <laughs> well, you, you want to know what's even funnier? He doesn't care for travel. But when he started his trucking company, he got in the truck and went everywhere across the United States. He's been to more states than I have. Oh, but when funny. you're working like that, it's not like, oh, I'm going to see the arch or I'm over yep. here seeing Capitol Hill. You're actually yep. working. Yep. So he'll say it's not the same. Yep. But I'm like, really? I'm the one. I wanted to travel. But <laughs> what what I'm looking at is I have really focused on having my feet under the dinner table every night. I am not gone. This is part of my mission work. These are my two not so little sheep anymore. When they go, I want both the ability to go and visit them, but I also want to do the things that I don't feel are as important for me right now. Like you were speaking at, um, the Christian, uh, Mm -hmm. Christian conference 
for me to go there now is too complicated. It takes too much to sort all of that out. I go to one or two a year, but not on a regular basis, but I would really like to serve in that capacity and to be around people that are serving in that way, because it's just, you've been to them. It's just uplifting. (laughs) I've been going to that one for 24 years since 1999. Just crazy to think about. But yes, yeah. you're right. There are seasons for that. There are seasons in that 24 years where I didn't get to go because I'm now in Oregon and it's so far away where I used to be able to drive. Um, so yeah, there are seasons. So I'm excited for you. And we're we're five years away from that empty nest. Our, all three yeah. of ours are still at home, but are launching next year, one of them. So what does that look like in, in the terms of that story that we're creating and our priorities and um, we could, I think we could do everything that's all about myself mm-hmm. or I can build a life that's actually about others in some way, some form or fashion, which even running a business and you're employing people, you're, I mean, you're blessing them by how ha- <laughs> it's neat to see how there's so many ways to do that, but. Absolutely. And I I did some sales for a little while for a business coaching company. And that's one of the things that we talked about is how many families are you supporting? Mm -hmm. And if you don't take your business to the next level, you know, are you going to be able to continue to support them? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to continue to support more people? What missions, Mm -hmm. you know, who are you giving to? So part of my business gives to Young Life because I really like their mission of we're not, we're not, going to the kids that are already in the church. We're going to the kids that are on the fringes, the ones that may have never heard about us. And when I helped with Awanas, when I taught some Awanas, we saw how kids were taking home their booklets. They're saying, help teach me about scriptures. These are the stories that I'm learning. They're hooking their parents either back in or in for the first time. So that I'm always super excited about ministries like that. And I thought at this stage, I would be doing some of that. But my kids have said, you cannot participate in our young life. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want my mom at youth group or young yeah. life or this, yeah. that, and I get it. They need yeah. to have their own lives and their own time. But uh, that that's something else I would be interested in. And especially, man, when you talk about Boy Scouts and camping, camping I think for all genders, but especially for boys, we have seen it all the way through. Get out there, run, yell, throw rocks, sticks, jump up and down, you know, just be free, which they don't get to do very often. No, they don't. Yeah. And we call it outdoor home ec because they also have to cook and clean for themselves and they do all their own. Yeah. Us dads will be over here with this like really nice meal because at least one of the dads knows how to cook really well. (laughs) The boys are over there, especially when they're younger at 11 or 12. It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to eat that. <laughs> <laughs> but now they're doing a better job and they're, it's it's neat to see. Um, and then my daughter loves camp- camping too. And so she does stuff through American Heritage Girls. Nice. My wife does that with her. And nice. um, But that's the stuff of like priorities in a family. When, and I'd almost even say when things are going well. Mm-hmm. When you're in the midst of the chaos, when you're in the midst of those 20 something months that you were talking about camping is the last thing like other priorities are the last thing we tend to be in survival mode just trying to figure out how we're going to put a foot in front of us tomorrow yes yes and that's where we need someone to support us 
absolutely and that's so god was so good um i when all this went down and my husband had to leave the house we were on 20 acres in december with snow with 400 chickens two horses and a dog and two boys and why and a wood stove a wood stove that was how we heated the house right yeah. and, and this is I needed to go back to work full time. I needed to take the kids into town or 22 miles from town, but this is where God is so good. He surrounded me by community that helped nice. help me put wood up for the winter. All those types of things helped my, my husband had to rehome all the chickens. So they had to go after a couple months. And, um, then I would come home, get dinner on the table for the kids, go feed the animals, read the bedtime stories, go stoke the fire and then fall asleep in front of the fire. I was so blessed not to be because people do really one of two things. They either get into such a depression that they don't function or they start running around looking for outside humans, outside substance, yep. outside whatever to solve their problems. I had enough and I was tired enough that, you know, I'd have some book I was reading or the Bible or something and boom, I am out in yeah. front of the fire. And it, it, it was the thing that I needed. Yeah. It, it was just amazing. So never put aside the wealth of good feeling from physical work. Mm -hmm. And that's what the dirt biking is too. You know, the I'm yep. sad about the horses, but with the dirt bikes, they're all in storage during the winter. I don't have to worry <laughs> about them. I don't have to yes. go, oh, yes. are the elk coming down to, you know, knock them sideways? Do they have enough to eat? Are they warm enough? The wind yep. is howling. It's raining. You know, yep. there's a lot of relief with that. Yeah. 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 But so if you think of those people you mentioned earlier about those people that came around you and it came around your family um if you fast forward to now you're that person you're basically inviting people and it's, it looks like you said you work with women yes so you're inviting women to come talk with you to come partner with you so tell me more about kind of what you do now with with that sure sure and this got instilled when we were still in crisis my sponsor would say to me tanya don't ever underestimate what God's doing and don't forget other people are watching. Mm -hmm. And again, we're in a small town, so everybody knew everything. <laughs> but uh, she said, other people are watching how you're handling this. Even when you don't think they are, you're witnessing to them about how you're choosing to handle this. So that is, that has stuck with me these last 13 years. And what I am doing now is not only sharing that experience, my life experience, but I went back and got my life coaching certification. I went back and did um, craft, which is community reinforcement training, nice. which has a 70% success rate of getting folks into recovery. So if you have a nice. family member who is really struggling with recovery, I hate to say this because I come from an AA Al-Anon background. They have about a 10% success right. rate. And right. truly, whatever method works for you, go do that. But craft really has a, so I'm a craft trained facilitator. I'm soon going to be an invitation to change trained facilitator as well, as well as the IF, uh, ICF. But what I really have a heart for is 
you have the opportunity to leave a different legacy. You are not trapped. You are not powerless. You can make these changes. It will take for most of us and me included outside help. So yeah. I'm taking, and we haven't even talked about all the other therapy in places, but I'm taking all of that, putting that together and saying, God is the only one that can do the transformation. But like you said earlier, I had to be listening when the counselor said that. Right. I also had to surrender when I knew I couldn't change my husband. Yeah. And again, with my son, I had to surrender when I've been through it this last year too, had to surrender and say, okay, you are a man and I need to treat you with that respect. You are no longer my sweet little five-year-old who will always be in my heart, but this person is asking to be treated like a man. So we just went through another change of, of living with that adult. So one of the things that I do with women is I help them look at what is really important to them, what matters, mm -hmm. what's happening what's needed and what's next. And you, you can take those and apply those to almost any situation and begin to work through it because oftentimes we will, I had a therapist say this to me. She's like, Tanya, you just got exactly what you wanted and you're still unhappy because I hadn't really sorted out what it was that I wanted. Yep. And that I, in my model, that's not only what do you want? What does Christ have for you? Right. So we're not just running off and, and I wanted to speak one more time to self-care in that I've had women come and say, well, I go get my nails done and I get a massage and I get this and I do that and, da, 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 and I don't feel any better. Mm -hmm. You don't feel any better because there's no self-compassion. There's no kindness. There's right. no, this is common to mankind. There's no mindfulness about what's going on. In fact, you're almost more towards the addict end of I'm going to do this to kind of numb out instead of really bingo heal. bingo 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 that is so critical so true and, and we work through a process about 12 weeks we work through a process and by the end of that process you've set the goals you've set what you want to work on you've decided where you want to go because nobody can decide that for you by the end of that process we have significantly moved the dial not because of anything magnificent that i've done but because we have been steady and co-creating this process with god and actually taking the time to pause and work through what's really important to you nice so then where do people need to go to find out more about you so what we want to do is we're going to put this in your show notes is we've got a quiz mm -hmm. and this is what often happens in, in, in an addict family is often the, the wife, the mom, the sister, the daughter is doing everything for everybody and her cup is empty. Yeah. So we have a quiz on unhelpful help. And let me define that. If you are doing something for somebody that you can, they can do for themselves or that they don't want done in the first place. <laughs> which you perceive it needs to be done, yes. right? Yeah. So the whole idea around that is to find out how you can do less and connect more. So we're going to put that link down there. That will also lead you to um, the website, which is Tanya Joya. We'll put that down there. And then I also have a podcast called Sober on Purpose, which you're going to grace me with an appearance yes. on as well. And that's where I uh, talk a lot about today. We were talking about blame 
couple weeks ago, we were talking about shame, talking about forgiveness. All of these are components in every family, but how they get heightened in a family with an addictive behavior situation, it it just changes the ball game. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Tanya. It's so great talking with you and getting to know you a little bit and your story. And thank you for sharing that with us. Well, Corey, you asked some really wonderful questions. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Life Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage. 